0: When James was 17, he had some pretty big plans, and he wrote them down in his journal
1: June 19, my wishes for the upcoming week, get a spray tan See Mary, see Catherine, see Sophie, see Jay Maybe just one of them?
0: That's James reading some of the things he wanted to do when he was 17. I'm Dan Meisner, and this... This is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. Hello, Montreal. It's nice to see you. How you doing? This is a show where we travel back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up this time recorded live at La Sala Rosa in Montreal. We have jokes without punchlines, a tale of unrequited love, and perhaps the sweetest 17-year-old boy you have ever heard. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and it can be a good reminder of just how far we've come. So think about who you were when you were a kid, and stick around. When Valerie was 14, she had a lot of deep thoughts and unanswered questions, so she wrote them down in her journal. A quick heads up, Valerie wrote these when she was a teenager, and there are some cuss words which we do not bleep. There's your heads up. Here's Valerie, asking some of life's big questions.
2: Why are we the only beings with material possessions? (laughs) Why do we bother going to school? The world has become a huge shitbox. I will be shot someday. Why are there boys and girls and not just hermaphrodites? Why can't people get a job anymore? Does the government do anything? Why did we have to invent guns? Why are people racist? Why do we have music? What is the point of doing anything? What are we made of? Are there solar systems inside of us? What's the point of having anything but the necessities? How can people be so ignorant to the fact that our world sucks? Why do people look down at depressed people? Why do we have faces? How can no two snowflakes be alike is life easier when you don't care do my poems mean anything what if our whole lives are someone else's dream and when they wake up that's when we die who invented words numbers letters and language why can't we see air Why do some people appeal to some people, but not to others? Why doesn't glue stick to the inside of the bottle? (laughs) This is my mind. Am I crazy? Questions always, no answers.
0: When Jessica was 16, she had her first real boyfriend, a guy named Larry. And from their very first date at a Montreal Alouettes football game to all of the things that followed, Jessica chronicled their relationship in her diary. A quick heads up, Jessica's diaries include some cuss words, which we do not bleep. They also acknowledge the existence of sex. That's your heads up. Here's Jessica.
3: Sunday, September 10th, 2000, time, 11.47 p.m., listening to Angel of Mine by Monica. Ah, he kissed me. As he was getting on the bus to leave, he came and gave me a hug, and then we tilted our heads. We had our lips touching, then he moved his out of the peck, and I moved mine. Then all of a sudden, his tongue was in my mouth, and I was like, what is going on? It was the weirdest thing ever. I was so shocked. I didn't know what to do. When we pulled away, he smiled and said, I'll call you tomorrow. Page me. I hope I didn't have a weird look on my face. I hope he's not turned off now. I don't know if I was kissing him back properly. I hope it doesn't ruin anything, cause I had the best time. The game was so cool even though we lost and after we went to McDonald's, he paid for everything. Is he my boyfriend now? I hope so, I'm so happy. Seven days later, Sunday, September 17th, 2000, time, 3.52pm, listening to American Psycho by Trouble Charger. I still can't believe a lot of this. Just last week I was saying how kissing was this big deal, and now I've kissed him five times. And I have to say, it's been great, fun, easy, and quite enjoyable. I can't stop smiling. Oh, by the way, I wore my new long gray skirt and a white tank top with a white cardigan to dress down day at school on Friday. My hair was down and curly and everyone I said, looked re- said I looked really good, except Alex LeDuc, who said I looked like a disciple of Jesus. That's not nice. Well, anyway, I thought I looked pretty. Uh so things uh, progressed pretty quickly and soon I realized that even though I was way boy crazy I wasn't ready for all of the physical stuff that comes along with a first relationship. Saturday, September 23rd, 2000, time one twenty two a.m., listening to All or Nothing by O-Town. Oh my God, Larry's the cutest. Today I said I could live off fries and he said I could live off you. Aww. One month into the relationship, Monday, October 9th, 2000, time, 7.54pm, listening to Come Out and Play by The Offspring. We went outside and people were walking to the depth to buy some alcoholic beverages. So we started walking and Larry and I were in the back making out every 10 seconds. Then Frank comes up on his bike like we need a chaperone and he hands Larry a condom. Thank you and fuck you, Frank. That's exactly what I needed. Somebody else pressuring me. I hate this. I'm not ready. Whatever. So we go to the park and we're sitting on the swings. I'm on his lap, and he's going to town macking with me. He leans back, lifts up my shirt a little, and reaches up and grabs my boob. It startled me. Then he goes, uh, what kind of bra are you wearing? So I'm like, uh, it's a sports bra. And then he goes, uh, sporty, and takes his hand out, ouch. Later on, he tried to put his hand down my pants and I wouldn't let him. I said, no, and he said, why? And I said, I don't know. And then he goes, then why not? And then I just said, no, okay? He got all mad and said, fine. Then when I tried to talk to him, he put his head back, yawned, and said, you bore me. Right? (laughs) I can't believe he said that. It hurt my feelings so much. Friday, December 29th, 2000, times 4 21 PM. Larry broke up with me. I can't believe it. I'm crying so much. This is bullshit. I can't believe this. My heart is broken in a million different pieces that have sharp edges. Cry, 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 cry. He called and sounded upset. And I'm like, hey, where are you? And he's like, skiing. And I'm like, oh, cool. Are you having fun? Sorta. Oh, are you hurt? What's wrong with you? I I don't think that we should see each other anymore. Me? What? Oh, it's nothing you did. It's me. Oh, I started tearing. It's not you. It's just, I don't know, me. Uh, okay. Um, uh, well, anyway, check you later. (laughs) Click, hang up, cry. I'm listening to the ballad by Mill and Colin. I should've just put his stupid dick in my mouth. Why? This is the worst day ever. I didn't think it could hurt this much, but it hurts so much I can't even explain what I'm going through. It's like 10 billion trillion times worse than I thought. I wanted to turn 17 with him by my side. He was my everything. I can't believe this is happening. I gotta go cry some more. My life is over.
0: After the show, Jessica called in to reflect on that teenage relationship with Larry.
3: I mean, he was my first boyfriend and I was head over heels and so not ready. Uh, I read the entry at the show where he broke up with me after four months of dating. I mean, there are literally tear marks all over the page. The ink is smudged in some places. I, I was devastated.
0: But, years after that teenage devastation…
3: We actually ended up together uh, again in our 20s and uh, had a real grown-up relationship.
4: Uh, we traveled the world together, we lived together for five years. We were best friends. We All we did was laugh. Uh, it's so funny to read the, the old
3: entries when we were young and stupid. It's uh, My friends and I sometimes get together and we have a couple drinks and we go through the journals and we just we piss ourselves laughing.
0: Jessica was not the only reader at our Montreal show who read about troubled teenage love. Our next reader, Zach, brought along a short story he wrote when he was 16. And the thing you need to know about this story is that, even though it's a work of fiction, the protagonist has a lot in common with Zach and what was going on in his life when he was 16. Live on stage in Montreal, here's Zach, reading a story called
1: Non-Fat Lattes and Decaf Dreams. (laughs) The the crash of espresso machines mixes with the loud chitter-chatter of honeyed words and computer keyboards as the movements of a crowded corner Starbucks swirl around a disheveled teenage boy. He wears dark, wash blue jeans, fashioned to his waist with a supple brown leather belt and a buckle that could come straight out of a Western 50s flick. He checks his phone to confirm the time and reads over the BBM conversation (laughs) simply because he likes reading it. She asked if he wanted to hang out. He had waited five minutes to answer so as to give the impression that he was preoccupied with (laughs) other things. He coolly said, Sure. And suddenly... The rest of the day revolved around the single coffee meeting. He puts his phone down on the table. He averts his gaze from the window beside him. He can see his reflection, and he doesn't like what he sees. Puffy cheeks, asymmetrical features, and the ensuing frown making things worse. Three times he looks up at the swoosh of the door, but none of the individuals are the person he's looking for. And then finally, to his supreme delight, though he does not let her see it, his companion walks in. Her name is Eve, and she waves at the boy cheerily, carelessly, and altogether warmly. She nonchalantly glides towards the barista. (laughs) And her steps confident, her speech even, as she orders something sweet and exotic and stylish, (laughs) breezily paying with clean, crisp bills from a thick wallet. Her hair is damp, the strands shining and sensually clinging to one another. She had mentioned in her text message that she would come after her post-workout shower. He imagines her running on a treadmill, warm sweat sliding down her neck and running down her torso, each stride forming her athletic and fit body, her flush not detracting from her femininity in the slightest. Then, in a way that only the mind of a teenage boy could, he starts to violently, mentally undress her. He pictures her showering, the water running down her back, front body wash forming at her thighs. He stops himself, lest the lecherous thoughts manifest on his face. There is nothing she does where she is not the top of the pack, the alpha, the leader, academically or socially. She is everything he wishes he were and more. He hangs on her every word. She licks milk froth from her lips and it makes him crave her body. Imagining the small pink tongue sliding against her lips and no, stop it. She would never be interested. She's like a sister. She would tell you anything. A bird in the cage is worth two in the bush, and you strike now, and you could destroy the entire friendship. And what if it didn't... Carpe diem. Who knows what the future might hold. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't be foolish. She would never want you. She could never see you in that way. Just tell her. Tell her your goddamn feelings. The internal debate is a constant murmur in his head, the ebb and flow of the discussions never actually warranting an action, but almost pushing him to madness at times. She laughs loudly at one of his jokes, her whole body seems to shake with the chuckles. They made themselves infinitely vulnerable to one another, telling the deepest of their thoughts and desires, dreams and fears without hesitating from judgment. They enjoyed the same types of music. (laughs) I saw someone last night, she says measuredly. I really liked him. Yeah, he's a good guy, he says with a fake sincerity. Kevin is an unremarkable individual in his periphery. Never talked to. Kevin is not nearly only not good enough for her. But the boy knows it isn't the first time they've hung out. I have to tell you, I've never met anyone I feel this way about. I don't know. I think I finally understand what they talk about in Hollywood movies with couples. We're seeing a movie tomorrow night. He's so funny. I can't even tell you. I just know you'll like him. Her big, dark eyes set appropriately on olive-toned skin search his face for signs of feelings before she goes on like we've seen each other a bunch lately i don't know i know it seems weird but i think i think i love him he's just so fun and smart and warm i really think he's someone i could really thank you
0: sad exactly, ladies and gentlemen holy smokes After the show, I asked Zach how much of his story was based on his own life, and whether Eve, the girl in his story, was a real person. Zach told me she was based on somebody, but it wasn't a girl named Eve. It was a boy named Adam.
4: Adam was my best friend in high school. He was kind clever, and ambitious, and generous of spirit, and artistic, and had big, pretty eyes. And I spent most of my time with him, uh, and I very quickly fell in love with him. And I have all these things that I couldn't say, obviously, uh, like in the story, and many, many coffees that went by without being able to say what I wanted to say. end of grade 12, I, I came out to him and I told him everything I had been feeling for the past two years. Uh, I felt like I really needed to. I need to know what would happen, like what was the end of the story. Um, and, and so I told him. And uh, he's a stand-up guy and took it super well, but, you know, didn't think of me in the same way. Uh, I really do credit him with helping me figure out who I am. There was a part of me that thought it was very noble that, you know, I was the the person who didn't expect anything back, you know, love was not something I had to give and take. This wasn't a business transaction. I thought it was very noble that I didn't demand anything in return. I was I, I I could just give. And uh looking back on it now I think I would steal the line from the person being a wallflower that we accept the love we think we deserve and that that's not how relationships work and so I wish I could tell myself that.
0: When Jessie was growing up, two of her friends were twin sisters named Lisa and Karen. But the year Jessie turned nine, her friends Lisa and Karen moved away. They moved to another city. So, as a way to stay in touch, Jessie wrote them letters.
5: Dear Lisa, how are you doing? Today we went on a field trip. First, we went to the city bus stop and got on. Then we drove till we, went, <laughs> till we got downtown. At the metro station, we went on the metro until we got to the metro station at the old port. <laughs> there we walked to the dock and went on a cruise. Soon we will be going to Mont Saint-Silaire on October 15th to climb the mountain, of course. Now I think it is time for some jokes. <laughs> jokes. One. What is the difference between boogers and cauliflower? (laughs) A girls don't eat their broccoli. (laughs) (laughs) Which place do cows eat popcorn? A movie. (laughs) What kind of skirts do cows wear for ballet? (laughs) Moo-moos. Love, Jesse. P.S. Right back. Dear Karen, I hope you're having fun, I certainly am, I'm having fun. What do you mean, forget it, about the jokes? Do you not like them? Are they too hard? Well, I'm going to give you some more. So these jokes don't have answers, so if you know the answer, please let me know. Number one, why did the ball player bring a rope to the game? Where do cows go on vacation? Where did the farmer take his pigs on a sunny afternoon? I'm sad you're gone, very sad, right back. From Jesse. This last one, I'd like you to know it was written in cursive, so you know.
1: <laughs>
5: Dear Karen and Lisa, I got Madame Adams for French and Mrs. Soma for English. In Madame Adams' class, when you do your homework or do a very good dicte, you get a stamp on the Je parle francais board. And if you get 10 stamps, you don't have to do your homework for one day. I have already gotten 10, but I'm going to wait for a day when there is lots of homework. <laughs> Do you learn French in your school? I like French emergent very much. (laughs) Sorry about your mom. I'm sure she'll get better. How is Steven? (laughs) How is Steven doing? What grade is he in? Love, Jesse.
0: our live shows, we hear from a lot of self-described late bloomers, but we also hear from our fair share of early bloomers. Of course, everybody matures at their own pace, and a big part of growing up is figuring out what you are and aren't ready for, especially when it comes to love, sex, and relationships. Our next reader, Claire, she brought along a few diary entries written when she was 13 and 14 at a time in her life when she was just starting to figure this stuff out. A quick heads up, Claire's diary entries do acknowledge the existence of sex, and they include some cuss words, which we do not bleep. There's your heads up. Here's Claire.
6: Dear Diary, I really like a boy from school. His name is Paul, and he's a rapper, I'm afraid. (laughs) He's kind of short, and he wears glasses, and he's so cute you wouldn't believe it. The only problem is that he's always flirting, and this has resulted in lots of other girls liking him as well. Dear Diary, Has been almost a week since I last wrote. Paul is being stubborn. If he likes me, he won't admit it. I read one of Mom's diaries from the 70s. She was living with Dad and really insecure. She kept thinking that normal things in a relationship were abnormal and that bad things that were dad's fault were her fault. I wanted to kill him for hurting her so much. I want to write her biography. I don't think anyone would read it, though, because she's not famous. (laughs) If I became famous, then everyone would want to read anything I wrote. Note. Get famous. Claire. Dear Diary, Today, my life has been changed. I went to see The Shadow with Paul at the Cineplex Odeon in Galleria. We made out for almost the entire second half of the movie. He French kissed me a few times and felt me up and bit my nipple. <laughs> I kissed his chest for a while, too. The big thing is that I gave him a hand job. <laughs> Not have done this normally. I don't know what happened. And then he had the nerve to tell me that what we did was wrong. Let's go back to being friends. Mm-hmm. That was when it hit me. I'd been used for sexual pleasure. <laughs> and he even told me not to tell anyone. I get the feeling he's done this before. I'm going to tell Jenny what happened so it doesn't happen to her, too. I was so surprised, I acted cheerful until I got home and had a bath. And you know what he told me? Whenever I do shit like this, the girls usually don't want to be my friends anymore. No shit, Sherlock! (laughs) Five exclamation points there. (laughs) Well, I don't like him anymore. I don't know whether to kill him or never talk to him again. P.S. I hate French kissing. It's disgusting. P.P.S. I just called Paul and told him not to tell anyone. He kind of threatened me. I just realized to save my reputation, he might blackmail me. He's that kind of guy. (laughs) Thank you.
7: Looking back, the thing that strikes me the most about those diary entries is how taken advantage of I was. I was really impressed by my diary entry, actually, that I was so mad at him. I'm glad that I was mad and felt taken advantage of instead of just thinking it was my lot in life or something like that. So I was, I was very much appreciative of that. If I could go back in time and give 14-year-old Claire some advice, what would I tell her? You know, that's so hard because I honestly think that no matter what advice you give teenagers or early 20s or possibly anybody, they just don't listen. But if I wanted to be idealistic, I might go back and tell 14-year-old Claire, you know, it's okay to not be cool. It's okay to not hang out with the popular kids. And you should definitely always spend time with people who value you for who you are and what you want and Those are the people that are worthwhile in your life.
0: At our Montreal show, we heard about some pretty crummy behavior from teenage boys. Paul taking advantage of Claire in the movie theater, Larry being unkind to Jessica when she wanted to slow things down, but... As evidence that not all teenage boys are like that, I present to you our next reader. When Jeffrey was 17, he wrote a letter to his future self. And not only is this a letter to his future self, it is a letter to his future self about a girl. Please welcome to our stage, Jeffrey. Dear future
8: me, I really, really don't want to be in a relationship, but I really, really like this girl. We've been talking a lot for the past while, and she sings really freaking well. When I say freaking well, I mean, like, I would buy her album. (laughs) She's really cute, too, and smart. Like, I have a lot of fun talking to her. But I hurt people when I'm close to them, and honestly, they tend to hurt me, too. (laughs) I don't want to hurt her. She even understands I need to take my time, and I really appreciate that. How am I going to go into elation if I don't really think things last forever? Either way, I'm going to see her tomorrow, and I can't freaking wait. (laughs) I've not been this interested in someone before, and no one has really been that interested in me. She makes me feel good about my stupid self. (laughs) I'm such an ass to her, I always call her a hippie, and she gets really pissed. But honestly, it's just because I'm bad at starting a conversation. (laughs) It's the way she thinks, too, like, it's just so genuine and different, and it drives me nuts, and I find it really cool. (laughs) She has this view of the world, and I really like it as well. Her eyes are really nice, too. I love her smile. She hates it, though, because she has braces, but I don't mind. (laughs) (laughs) She does many cool things to help people, too. I don't know how to handle being accepted by someone like this before, but honestly, it feels nice. And I wrote, like, big letters, update, with little stars. I actually kissed her. (laughs) Thank you. Like, I went up to her and kissed her lips. She... (laughs) And, like, she kissed back. (laughs) Like, she was just there with her blanket, and I kept pulling it towards me like some weirdo, (laughs) and I just went for it. The kiss tasted like alcohol because her mother gave us booze, but I was driving so I couldn't drink, so she drank both of our glasses. <laughs> I can't stop smiling. Future me, I don't know if you'll even know her when, when you read this, but I want to be with her because I really like her. I'm scared but happy. It's weird. <laughs> I don't know how, to, how love works at all, but I'm not going to lie to her. Do I already love her? Now that wouldn't make sense. <laughs> The thing of her loving me terrifies me. Like, maybe she'll get to know me and then she'll end up getting bored and end up hating me. The idea that one moment someone can mean everything to you and the next moment they're nothing really scares me. I trust her, though. I feel that for once I won't be left behind her alone. That everything is going to be okay. (laughs) So future me, let me know how this goes out because I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) I'm just an idiot, but she makes me feel like I'm a special idiot. (laughs) She's like ice cream on a sunny day. (laughs) A full moon on a starry night. (laughs) I hope I make her feel happy and special as well, even though I suck at showing it. (laughs) I really don't know what love is or really believe in it right now, but I sorta kinda really, really, really like her, and that is like with a capital L. Best regards, Jeff.
0: And the Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids Award for the sweetest 17-year-old boy in existence goes to <laughs> Jeffrey. That is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. Our show was recorded live at La Sala Rosa in Montreal and produced by Jenna Meisner. Our music is by Poddington Bear and Lullitone. Special thanks to Ainsley McNeeney. Right now we are working on a bunch of upcoming live events for full details or to sign up for the email newsletter where we announce new live shows. Visit GrownupsReadThingsTheyWroteAsKids.com. You can also find us on Facebook where we have photos of all the readers from our Montreal show. Just search for Grownups Read Things They Wrote As Kids or, even easier, follow the link in the show notes to this episode. I'm Dan Meisner. Thanks for listening.